You're listening to the weekly Parsha podcast recorded with Hashem's great assistance right here in Ramavi Shemesh Israel 57, 68, 2008. This week's Parsha is Parsha's Re'eh. The discussion for today's Parsha podcast is going to center around the concept of Simcha, of joy. What does it mean, Simcha? What is joy in Judaism? What is true happiness in Yiddishkeit? That's going to be the center of our discussion today. And the reason that I was prompted to make this the center of discussion is because we actually have five, actually six different verses in this week's parsha that involve the concept of simcha, of joy. We have it in regards to five different, five different things, six different verses, six different mentions. The first one that we have is at the very beginning of the parsha, in chapter 12, verse 12. It's talking about the karbonos, the sacrifices of Hashem. The verse says like this, And you'll rejoice in front of Hashem, your God, and your kids, your daughters, and your servants, and your maidservants, and a Levite that's within your gates. The next verse we have is in the same chapter, chapter 12, verse 18. It's talking about all the different things, the special foods that we bring to Jerusalem to eat there. It's talking about the karbonos. And it says over there like this, uh, verse 18. It's saying that where are you supposed to eat these things? You're supposed to eat them in front of Hashem your God. The place that Hashem will choose is referring to Jerusalem. You and your sons and your daughters and your servants and the Levite that's in your gates. Similar type of verse. The third one we have is in regards to Meiser Sheni. It's a special tithes that one is supposed to take off in the third and the sixth year of the Shemitah cycle. And it's supposed to take off this tithe and it's supposed to, supposed to go to Jerusalem to eat this special food. And the verse there says, chapter 14, verse 26, You will eat there in front of Hashem your God and you'll rejoice you and your household. The fourth verse is in regards to the festival of Shavuos which is 50 days after the first day of Pesach. There it says in chapter uh, 16, verse 11, You shall rejoice in front of Hashem your God, You and your son and your daughter and your maidservant and your regular servant, the Levite that's in your gates, Everyone is there when it's Shuas time, everyone's there at the, in the base of Mikdash. So it says all the different people, the convert, the orphan, the widow, that's amongst you. That place where Hashem your God is going to choose to place his name there. Again, reference to Jerusalem. And then the last reference we have to Simcha is in chapter 16, verse 14. It's talking about the holiday of Sukkot. And it says over there like this, You should rejoice on your holiday. You and your son. Again, this whole, this whole list. And then the next verse says, Seven days you shall uh, celebrate for Hashem your God. That place that Hashem will choose. Right? Hashem will bless you with all of your the produce of the fields and with all of your works and you will be especially happy. Now there's a number of questions that we need to ask when we read through these verses. And the answer to these questions will really help us understand what is the concept of happiness, of joy, of real simcha in Judaism. The first point that I'd like to make is that we find in all of the verses whenever we find simcha 
joy, it's always accompanied by two things. First is, it's Lefnei Hashem Elekechem, or Lefnei Hashem Elekechem, in front of Hashem your God. You're going to rejoice in front of Hashem. That's the first thing. And the second thing that we find is that it's always with somebody else. Either it's with you and your children and your servants, or it's with you and your family, your house. But there's always other people there along with the person rejoicing along with him. Now the question, the simple question is, why? Why can't a person rejoice when he's alone? Why can't he rejoice when he's in his house? Why does he have to be in the Harabais, in the Beis Hamikdash, in the Holy Temple? Why does he have to be there with his family, with his friends? What's the explanation? What's the understanding? Another important point that the Baal HaTurim asks, he points out that where do we see that there's a concept of Simcha in regards to the festivals? We know that there are three festivals. There's Passover, there's Sukkot, and there's Shavuos. Pesach, Shavuos, Sukkot, those are the three festivals. Now, interestingly, it says in regards to Shavuos, it says at one time you should rejoice. In regards to Sukkot, we find that it says at two times you should rejoice, and you should be even more besimcha, you should have more joy. Twice it says it there. However, when we look at Pesach, at Passover, it doesn't say it even once. It doesn't say it at all that a person has to rejoice or that there is a special rejoicing that happens on Pesach. The question is, the Baal HaTurim asks, why is it different? What's Pesach? Why is Passover any different than Shavuos and Sukkot? Another important point that we need to understand is that we find that the concept of Simcha is very importantly and inextricably connected to the concept of the Korban Shlamim. A Korban Shlamim was a special sacrifice that was brought on many different types of occasions, but specifically the occasion that we're talking about when we talk about Simcha, explain the different Mephorshim and different commentators, is that we're talking about a Korban that's called Shalmei Simcha, a Shlamim of joy a certain type of sacrifice that was brought, and somehow it would elicit joy. The question is, what is so special about this sacrifice that it elicits joy? What, is, what, is it, what does it mean that if I bring a sacrifice, I eat the meat, somehow eating that meat makes me happy? What is going on? What is the explanation of this? So to answer all these questions, to begin to answer these questions, I'd like to share with you a beautiful concept that I once heard, and it's in regards to the temple. There were ten different nisim, ten different special miracles that occurred in the temple during the first temple. Because there was a Shekhinah there during the second temple, so it didn't have the divine presence, it didn't have many different factors, but during the first temple, so the Shekhinah, the divine presence was there, and the Arna Kodesh, the Holy Ark was inside of the Holy of Holies, and there were all different things that were going on, but there were ten specific miracles that occurred. One of the miracles, interestingly, was the fact that when the Jews would come, they would be all of the regal, they would come up to Jerusalem, so no one would ever say, Tzarli Hamakon. Can you imagine this? Millions upon millions of Jews would all crowd into Jerusalem. And there was never a single person that complained and said, there's not enough room. Another one of the miracles that's directly related to this miracle was that on Yom Kippur, a multitude of Jews would fill up the courtyard of the temple. And nevertheless, it says like this. This is Mishnah in Pirkei Avos, chapter 5, Mishnah 7. It says like this, When they were standing up, they would be squished together. They were, it was very tight. It was, there was not enough room for everyone who was there, or was precisely enough room for everyone who was there. And nevertheless, despite the fact that when they were standing, they would be standing tight, When they would bow down, when they would lean over, they would completely prostrate themselves on the ground, flat on their face, so outstretched, there was still enough room for everyone. Unbelievable thing. Despite the fact that there wasn't room, there was room. 
And so therefore we have these two things about Jerusalem, about the temple, that were unique. And that was that despite the fact that there was such a multitude of people there, so in the temple itself, so they would, there would always be enough room somehow. And second of all, even Jerusalem itself, when everyone was coming there for the festivals, there would always be enough room for everyone to sleep. No one would ever say, that I don't have enough room. Now, what is the understanding? Why was this so? We need to understand. So another thing that we see, another miracle that occurred in the temple was that we have the Ark, the Ark of the Covenant with the Trubim on top of it, and it takes up a certain amount of space, or so, or so it should. And the Torah tells us exactly how much space it took up, the, the length and the width. Nevertheless, when it was placed inside of the Holy of Holies, if you would measure from one wall to the Ark, and then from the other side of the Ark to the other wall, and then you would take out the Ark and measure from one side of the wall to the other side, it would be the same amount. And what that meant was that the Ark itself, despite the fact that it was there, it took up no space. What's the understanding of this? The answer is that when one is inside of the Holy of Holies, when one has transcended to a higher level, so he enters a place of Shechina, of Divine Presence. And when there's Divine Presence, when Hashem is there, when God is there, so the physical rules, the physical reality that we normally experience, the rules are gone. They're nullified. Nothing works the way you think it should work. The normal rules of space and time, they're battle, they're nullified, they're gone. And that's why the Ark, even though it, it had space, it took up space, it didn't take up any space. And that's why, in the Beis HaMesh, when the Jews came there, they, they were able to bow down, and despite the fact that previously when they were standing, they were squished, there was still enough room for them to bow down. And inside of Jerusalem, there was always enough room, because a person, when they got to Jerusalem, when they got into the Temple, they were transcending, they were entering into a new domain, the domain of the Shekhinah. And what happens when you enter the domain of the Shekhinah? Don't make a mistake. It doesn't mean that all of a sudden, now there's room. Now everything, the, the temple stayed the same size. Nothing stretched. Jerusalem stayed the same size. There was the same amount of lodgings, the same amount of places. But somehow, for some reason, when people entered into the place of the Shekhinah, there was no longer any room for complaint. There was no one, nobody felt squished. Nobody cared about the fact that they were squished. When they bowed down, somehow... It just felt okay. It just felt good. There was nobody complaining. It's, it's very interesting the way the Mishnah puts it. It says, no one said, no one complained and said, there's not enough room. And what that means is when a person is inside of the Shekhinah, when a person is connected to Hashem and has a reality of God, there's no complaints. There's nothing to complain about because everything is perfect. Everything is great. When a person experiences the divine, he realizes everything he has is perfect. Everything that Hashem gives us is exactly what we need. We don't always feel that way. The more we connect to that feeling, the more we're connecting to Shekhinah, to the divine presence. What is Simcha? What do we see Simcha? What is joy, happiness? It doesn't mean finding this thing and that thing and what else, what is, what's going to make me happy? Maybe it's that ice cream cone, maybe it's that car, that Lexus, maybe it's the Porsche. doesn't matter. When it comes to physical things, you're never going to be happy. Why? Because you never feel like you're going to have enough. But when you connect to Shechina, when you're connected into Hashem, and you have the realization that everything that you have is exactly what you need, and everything that you need is exactly what you have, you never, see tzar, you never say, Tzarli HaMakoim, you never say, I don't have enough. You can't say it when you realize, when you're connected to Hashem, and you clearly recognize that what you have is what you need, and what you need is what you have. There's no room for complaint. You're in the most ultimate ecstatic place. You're in this place called Simcha. That's why 
when we look at all of these verses, they're all happening. Where's the simcha? All of this simcha is happening when a person is in the base Hamikdash, when a person is in Jerusalem, when a person has in, entered into the zone of the festivals, when he's connected to Hashem, when he's connected to God in the most ultimate way possible. That's when a person experiences the ultimate joy, because when he connects properly to Hashem, he realizes that everything he has is what he needs. Now I want to come back to the Balhatur. The Balhatur had asked a very important question. He said, "Why is it that in regards to Pesach, Passover, we do not have this concept of simcha?" It doesn't say in the verse, "You shall rejoice," but in regards to Shavuos, it says it once. In regards to Sukkot, it says it twice. So he makes a very insightful comment, and it really goes nicely with what we're saying right now. He says that on Pesach, there's something that you're missing. You know what you're missing? You have not yet brought in the crops from the field. There's no crops brought in from the field that they're all still out there. All of the wheat, all of the grapes, everything's out there. When Shavuos comes 50 days later, you've already brought in the wheat, but you still have not yet brought in the grapes. Therefore, you are happy. There's one level of happiness. When it comes to Sukkot, six months later, everything's in the house. You have the wheat, you have the, you have the product of the grapes, all the wine that you needed to make, everything that you need you have right now. There's a double dose of Simcha because you know you see it with your eyes. You see what you need is, is what you have. You have what you need. That's the idea of Simcha. Simcha is when you realize and you, you can take stock of the fact that everything that you have is what you need. Now let's go back to another question that we asked. We said, why is it that Simcha, the concept of joy, is connected to the Korban Shlomim? This special sacrifice, the Shlomim, what is the Shlomim? So I saw an explanation, the Korban Shlomim, Rashi says, and there's another commentator that explained this Rashi, Rashi says in Vayikra, that the Korban Shlomim creates peace. The word shlamim comes from the word shalom. Shalom means peace. What is What does that mean? And the answer is that when a person brings this sacrifice, so it somehow brings down from above an emanation of peace. Hashem sends down between man and his fellow, between a man and his wife. He sends down because of this carbon, this sacrifice. So it's creating a connection between this world and the upper worlds. And it creates that connection between man and his fellow. This concept would seem to be that it was actually hinted to in the verses itself. Because in every single time that we had these verses about joy, it always includes that a person's house, his family, his kids, the ladies, everyone. There's all kinds of connections that are happening here. Because the rejoicing that's happening is not just a person being happy with what he has, but he's also happy with his what he has in, in, insofar as his relationship with his fellow man. He's happy with his family, his wife, his kids, the Levite, the proselyte, everyone, you, you name it. He's happy with everyone. Because when a person has entered into the realm of the Shekhinah when he's entered into that domain where he realizes that he has what he needs that Hashem is giving him everything that he needs he realizes that every single when does a person get upset at his friends when does a person get upset at his wife when he thinks that she wronged him when you, your friend you feel like they did something that was not correct but a person only does that a person only thinks that way when he's not focusing on the fact that everything that happens to him happens from Hashem when a person realizes that everything happens from Hashem that there's nothing to get upset at your wife what she burnt the meal so what obviously Hashem had decided that today he needs some more charcoal in his system as Laser Brody says. Or if your friend does something wrong to you, and you, you, what are you getting upset at him for? Hashem decided that you have to be embarrassed today. This is something that's good for your neshama, for your soul. There's nothing to, to be getting upset at your friends. But when you're inside of the Shekinah, when you're connected to Hashem, you realize that there's nothing to be upset about. You realize everything is great. It all comes as a result. The merit of the carbon Shlomim brings about this Shalom, this peace between man and his fellow, between man and Hashem, and a rec recognition, a realization that a person has what he needs, both in his physical physical reality in all of his livelihood and also in his relationships with his fellow man.
This ultimately is the concept of true simcha, true joy, knowing that a person has everything that he needs, knowing that every single thing that happens to him is from Hashem, realizing that all of his relationships, every single thing that occurs to him, it's all from Hashem. When we have that realization, we have the ultimate simcha, the ultimate joy. I want to bless you. I want to bless me. All of us, we should all merit to have this joy. We should merit to see the temple. We should merit to stand there, squished in there, and be joyous, and, and then bow down. There'll be enough room for all of us. We'll merit to be in Jerusalem, and, and we'll never say, Tzarele that there's not enough room. Thank you so much for listening. Have a very good Shabbos.